From grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. And I am Katie. And this is the best beer show on the internet. Yes. Now with... Up and running. Right, with old mixing board. (laughs) Oh man, guys, you have no idea. You should have seen the scrambling that occurred here. We're running late, obviously. No, Uh, our our mixing board fried literally (laughs) minutes before the episode. Luckily, I had the old one shoved in a closet somewhere. And was able to find it. Get it shoved in the closet in the new house that he moved into like a month ago. It's it was a, an act of uh, you know it was on the order of loaves and fishes here. I mean, can, can we just like take a minute to appreciate how well semi organized I am? Like, I was impressed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> He's like, I'm not impressed. You could have done better. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's it's over my head, actually. <laughs> it's not over your head unless you, you know. All right, yeah. So you're going to get a little old school feel to some of the audio today. Yeah. Uh, and I'd apologize to it, but that's mostly what you guys were listening to back in the day. So it's fine. True. This is a, we just need some miles in here to talk about his USA 05, and I can get mad at him. And it'll be fine. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, before I get too deep here, uh, the American Homebrewers Association does a lot to support home brewers and home brewing, and now they support us during the AHA. We'll give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zamergy magazine. Click on the referral link at the bottom of our homepage and join today. Also, I want to give a big shout out to our patrons, specifically Black Belt patrons Andy Thompson, Bjorn Bjornson, Devin Stinson, and Tyler Romanski. If you'd like to become a patron, head on over to patreon.com slash and become a patron today. All right. What have you guys been up to beer-related lately? Oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, Katie's going to say the same the same thing, but we busted out the Blood Orange Sour Beer, mm-hmm. uh, which was rad. Uh, I, You know, we all sort of collaboratively work on the uh, creation of the beer, um, and this particular beer uh, ended up being... Um, yeah, I, I guess sort of the same thing. Um, and we all sort of sat and talked about it and, and and worked on it. And then in the end, it's usually Katie and Ethan's decision as to how the execution works. Um, and yeah, turned out great. It's had a good response in the market already. We were out shopping it around on Friday yeah. uh, in one of the new newer markets that we're in. And then it's been shopped around and a few of the markets and 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 here we go uh 15 barrels is gone gone already uh sold oh wow sold american yep so. we have a we have a few kegs left over for our tap room and was it know, f- 15 cases and two kegs yep exactly. <laughs> so yeah yeah i mean that that's, that's something that's been happening um yeah the the blood orange um I guess yesterday I went I went to a brewery that wasn't the one Ooh. I work at. I went to Indeed in Northeast Minneapolis for the first time in a while, and you know it's always interesting with because everybody you know at least in this area of the world or in Minnesota they're still complying with a lot of COVID or somehow you know um, adapting to I guess it, and so it's like you need to make a reservation, and you have 90 minutes at your table, and they you know they it's very um, and we were actually the t- they spread the tables out well enough that we were actually like next to the bathroom which was a little oh that's awesome not super ideal because yeah. then people are but you know it was fine it was it yeah was but good. then you get to go to the bathroom very easily, <laughs> very easily yeah. i really like to or, pee or stand and <laughs> sit next to people who were standing in line to go to the bathroom oh i mean that's yeah. no no they yeah. they had need to take a number and go mm-hmm. sit down but you get priority because you're right there yeah that's that's you could just budge be like listen it was it was good it was uh i've i've said in the past that i don't i don't go to a ton of breweries you know i, I drink a lot of hop and barrel beer because when i'm not working or whatever, I, I i'm the i'm the same way yeah. i think I, it, it isn't as if that ship has sailed or anything for me it's just that i mean if i've been to them all and then the ones that are new you're sort of mm-hmm. I, i'll go later I'll figure it out. Yeah, um, and then working in the industry, which I'm not, I'm not complaining or bragging here at all. But it's you know, if it's easy, it's easy to get sucked into 
brewery talk with the employees mm-hmm. or if you run across a brewer that maybe recognizes you and then it's just like well i'm not here just with m- my companion anymore i'm now it's like no i'm rep- now i'm representing that yeah. and that and so, that bo- that's bothersome for me mm-hmm. personally i don't often will not wear hop and barrel gear uh just don't yeah. don't want to be bothered with that i'm trying to have a nice time and and go out and and that's fine. And maybe some people will recognize you. Maybe they won't. And, you know, I mean, maybe we sound like a couple of jerks sitting here like, oops, someone recognized me. But it's like I would honestly I'd just like to go out and have a have a time and not have to talk about work. Yeah. And sometimes it's I'm cool with it. But sometimes more often than, more not, often than not, I'm not. Yeah, I'm yeah. with you. <laughs> uh, I've only been recognized a handful of times and all of them have been fantastic. So I'm not quite there yet. I'm not at your level of fame yet. But I'm, <laughs> I'm working on it. All right. Like, I'm going to get there. Now the more you hang out with us. <laughs> uh, speak, how was your, uh, bro- did you screw up any batches this last week? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God damn it. Yes. <laughs> you did? Uh, yeah, no, actually, that's, that's, that's kind of what I want to talk nice about. Nice one, um, Katie. No, uh, so uh, the, the, the friend that I brew with mm-hmm. um we like after our discussion last steve. week steve uh steve yeah so after discussion last week where um we both fucked up uh batches of hazy beers i uh, just want to throw that one out there um and then uh oh yeah we we came back and we, we were like all right so we're gonna do calibration pale ales it was kind of our thing so we didn't change anything uh except we like we we really focused on our mash and we made sure everything was good there and that we were loudering at the right rate and mm-hmm. everything. And so we were we were spot on with our numbers. We're like, yes, this is awesome. And then we forgot to account for the fact that it was cold outside. So we were brewing in the garage and didn't have any windows or uh, open or whatever. And so our boil off wasn't where mm-hmm. it usually was. And so we were eight points low oh my god and we're like so this coincides then somewhat with that bjorn bjornson question which a a little bit a little bit with the dme and we're talking about boil off rates and then efficiency in whatever you use for calculation and and we're we're gonna do an entire episode on that i think because we have we have yeah we have a lot of opinions on that and we I really want to dive into it he did a lot of leg work and i want to give him the i sent katie the first part of well i think that. she's you're on the page so i think you can see the raw messages can't you or no oh well, no we'll, we'll fix that uh, yeah we gotta get her yeah, well, yeah we gotta fix that bjorn sent a whole slew of messages which yeah. we obviously appreciate unless i am but i just this is the first time i'm hearing about it oh okay maybe yeah that's possible oh maybe <laughs> i kind of sent yeah, you just, some stuff just, Yep. Uh, but yeah, no, so I'm sorry, yeah, listeners. Brian, Brian has sent. Yeah, sorry, we're, we're, we're being little, very vague here. We're having but, a, a, an administrative moment. Is that my. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, so what we're talking about here is uh, DME, adding DME, dry malt extract, into 10 gallons, and then all of a sudden now you've got 11 gallons. And now what? Um, yeah. So we'll get to that later. Let's move on. I'm All right. sorry. Yeah, no, no. Uh, yeah, no. So I, d- I did that brew day uh, yesterday. We did a pale ale um, with, I don't know, what we, we did um, hops were, we did a warrior edition at 60 minutes and then hop stand with mosaic. And then we're going to dry hop with some mosaic. It's going to be great. It's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we were just, we were eight points low and we were just kicking ourselves because we were like, oh yeah, we've hit all these, we've hit everything. We're in the kettle. All we got to do right now is let it boil. We can kick back and relax. Yeah. You, and we, and we were looking at each other like, because we were, we were strictly, um, adhering to no drinking hot side. I appreciate and, that. That makes yep. a lot of sense to me. Like, but, but also drink, like crack we, we one hit, on cold side. We, we, we hit, we hit the point where. We were about 20 minutes into the boil, and we were bored as shit. Mm-hmm. Like, we're like, ah, you know what sounds really good right now? A beer. Uh, I guess we'll just keep watching this pot and yeah. trying to, uh, like, find th- new things to clean, I guess. I don't I don't know. Uh, and so... <laughs> I, I don't know. Katie, what do you do when you, when you get your only 20 minutes into the boil? <laughs> 
If if everything's going, you okay, go and eat lunch, I, or yeah, that's usually. Or I actually I, I empty the louder ton, which that, is, a, is a oh big, we already done that. Work, that, yeah. that took us all of four minutes yeah, because you know yeah. a little more when it's yeah. Well, yeah, when you're Katie, it's you. This bin is what four foot by four foot, maybe mm-hmm. five foot by four foot. It's probably like, five by four by five three. by four by three, and it's completely full, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of work. Yeah, and spray it out because you got to get that grain before it dries mm-hmm. on yeah. the side of the thing. Oh, yeah, no, you have to do that right away. Yeah. That makes sense. Yep. But, uh, yeah, so uh, kind of moving on from that, we actually have a homebrew to taste today, mm-hmm. which oh Katie uh, drank all of already. She did. <laughs> Not everyone's, just my glass. <laughs> <laughs> Correct, my glass is still in me. Such right. an, I'm such a podcast amateur. And this is the first time I've had your homebrew, so right? I got okay. excited. Well, yeah, drank all, all right. the beer, then your so, phone uh, this So yeah. this is a... Uh, in Oktoberfest, I brewed back in July, um, and then I left it on temp control, so I don't have all the the temp numbers on it. Um, I know it was it, it was all controlled, but I don't I don't exactly know what Steve fermented it at because it was while I was in the middle of the move, so I brewed it and just kind of left it in his care, um, and then kegged it. Uh, but so I used the recipe from. Uh, Zamil Janicef's book, uh, Brewing Classic Styles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it awesome is awesome book, by the way. If you're looking to just some straightforward, especially if you're an extract brewer, because that book is only for extract, except at the very end of the chapter, or rather at the very end of the style, it says if you're trying to brew this all grain, this is how you might do it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. Um, so it is 41% pills. 25% Vienna, 25% Munich, and 8% Kara Munich. Perfect. Um, and then I use... What are we missing here? Yeast strain. Oh, ye- well, I was going to do the hops and then the yeast. Got it. Uh, so I used um, 24 IBUs of Hercules at 60 and another 5 IBUs at, at Flame Out. Okay, so then your calculation for IBU in this beer was? Uh, looks like 29 which, IBUs. Which seems a little much to me, but I could be wrong. Katie, thoughts uh, on that? It seems IBUs, about, yeah. I mean. 29.7. It, it, is, it is four IBUs above style. Okay. The, the balance. Yeah. Okay, I mean, I'm, maybe I'm jumping yeah. on that. I haven't really looked at what that sh- um, and should then be. I use the, the Y plant. Yeast Oktoberfest blend, uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, 2633. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what I have to say. What do you have to say? I just thought that the IBU were maybe five or ten higher than it should be. But other than that, that's great. Like we're looking for uh, bread or toast character. Mm, yep, and it definitely has that. Mm-hmm. And some caramel, um, not too much. And yeah, I from I mean I don't know if we want to get into where it's at. Where uh, what I you know. Yeah, no, drinking, like, like, yeah. We need to think too about what sort of characteristic that the yeast is going to lend to this type of beer, which is a Meritzen style. Uh, oh, I did do uh, so. I did do a protein rest oh, on this beer. Nice. Okay. Um, yep. Uh, and then. And why did you do a protein rest? Because we were talking about protein rest, and I had the electric brew system, so I could. Uh, Got it. So then, what is the protein rest going to do to uh, our grist that will enhance this beer? So the protein rest is going to break down some of those long chain proteins mm-hmm. uh, and allow those to clear out of the beer. Because mm-hmm. I, I really like the clarity of this yeah. beer. Clarity is great. However, I think that um, what we're looking for here is a little bit more long chain sugar left into the beer, left in the beer rather. And this one is a little, the body leaves a little something lacking here for me. Um, and we can get some body. So I, I should have ma- well, what I should have done is mashed higher. Yeah, yeah. So I, I keep the protein rest, mash a little. So I, yep. I was following uh, Jamil's thing. Yep. Uh, I mashed at one fifty two. I think if I did this again, I'd bump that up to one fifty four, one fifty five. Get a little bit more body in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that would help a lot. Yep. And then there's a little bit of a mineral quality in this one too. That's kind of no water additions because I wasn't brewing with my water. Got it. So this actually kind of goes back to this idea that we talked about during our Oktoberfest, or did we have an Oktoberfest? We, we did. did. We did. Where we did. I mean, this almost is you know it's it isn't a, a Meritzen, which is that higher multi maltiness beer, 
more caramel noted. I feel like this is almost on a more of a fest beer line, and it's very yeah, good. but it's and or- I appreciate, but it's the, orange. Yeah, I mean that's that's the, that's the big difference because uh, those fest beers are tend tend to be more of a blonde, blonde, yeah. or golden, but. More golden, you're it's, right. More I mean, golden. it's it's very drinkable, and oh heck yeah! Like, I've I'm always not... been, you know, of the opinion where I've never been to an October. I mean, I've been to Oktoberfests in the, in the states, but you know, it's like you you need to be able to sit and drink beer and all quaff day some, and yeah. not move from your spot because it's going to get taken. Well, and then you're sitting and there eating is... sausages and not bread, yeah. and so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. when you really need to just be eating bread. So then you get that bread character in this beer. I don't know. I, I think it's. I mean, it, it definitely is dry. I don't really think it's overly bitter. I guess it doesn't. At thirty IBU, it's definitely not bitter. Yeah, it it was at first, and now that I'm ripping into it, it's it's. uh, So here, here's here's where I'm at on it. Um, If I did this again, um, I would mash higher, like I said, Mm -hmm. get a little bit more body into it. Um, I think the protein rest was the right call. Um, I do too. I would I would back a little bit off the hops, not much. Maybe do just a quarter on flame out instead of a half. Okay. Uh, the most of the reason I and I don't even know if Jamil said to do a half, but I had half an ounce left, so I was like, I'm gonna throw it in there. Yeah. Because waste not want not. Uh, and then other than that, I'm very happy with how I, this turned out. I wonder though, and Katie, maybe back me up on this. Maybe you don't, but I wonder if maybe the body, <clears throat> the body is corrected by a higher mash temp then that would sort of make up for what I had. And maybe it would be the bitterness. Well, yeah, what I had perceived in the first few sips as, oh, okay, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of bitterness. And it wasn't too harsh or anything, and it definitely wasn't, it definitely doesn't linger. Yep. Um, but I wonder if, like, the the makeup on the body would, would sort of, like, help to, mm-hmm. um, you know, correct that little whoa. bit of, what, like, whoa, What bitter. was the finishing gravity? Uh, finishing on this, it's pretty dry, mm-hmm. right? It's very dry, yeah. Um, I have that written down here. I God, we all drink a lot of beer and have been in this a lot for <laughs> the long game. <laughs> Somebody told me, uh, couple like last week, I, I think you're a super taster. I was like, no, no I think no, I just didn't drink. No, 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 you're just you're practicing. <laughs> you're practicing. I just understand <laughs> what this is, or you know what I mean? Um, it's. I, and then my other question is: Better on the, the block, a ten oh eight. Yeah, that's 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 pretty. Dry, Dude, yeah. that's too dry for this style. But like, I mean, it, yeah, it, it just it, it but, happened. But this is like unreal drinkable. Like, you, if you see me and I have only this much left in no, my I, glass, then I, I, I've I've seen you drink beers of mine that you don't like. And yes, and I've had two <laughs> sips, and then we moved on with our lives. Yep. Yeah. What so. what is the uh, color on it? Uh, SRM that? estimated is twelve and a half. Okay. Yeah. Which my, my, again is way so this darker is almost for like the a, best beer style. This is almost like a, um, it's like a mashup of a of a Merz and, and a fast beer. Really. Nice. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and again, I, I I basically pulled this recipe out of Brewing Classic Styles by Jamil Zanishev, and I I can't if, I can't talk that book up enough. If you are a beginning book. brewer, um, or even a seasoned brewer, get that book. Pick up that book it. because it's such a helpful, helpful. I've been staring thing. at that book for probably almost a decade. I mean, you yeah, have too. I mean, ninety-five uh, percent like, of the recipes that I've ever created started with that book. Yeah. Take a look at it. Because you take I, a look and then you start you know, modifying. Swap, swap out the hops. Use a different yeast. You These know, pick my base malt. Yeah, whatever. He it it was formulated on classic styles and how to brew them and how to that's brew them. another one we should probably reach out to is yeah. jamil uh, sure i mean yeah. he's had some stuff going on yeah maybe and yeah. then tasty mcdole or r.i.p man oh man they don't even yeah that that's just a bummer yeah huge bummer we should um, do we we should brew uh a like a what tasty, was his beer uh janet's brown <sighs> yeah yeah we, we we should brew like a oh, commemorative yeah. janet's brown for yeah. him and i'm, taste I'm into show. it i would i would hang out be, i would hang out fun. on a saturday with you guys and do that yeah. or whatever but yeah it yeah tasty mcdole man like he made he made a big difference in my life so did jamil and and we really appreciate you guys and so f- uh, for those of you who are like who I, uh, that was look uh, them the up home, because I highly doubt the, it. The it Brewing it, Network, the Brewing Network, yeah. yeah, they had a bunch of podcasts similar yeah. to what this one is, but it, yeah. you know, 15, I highly doubt any ago. of us would be sitting here without that in a no. sense. So. No, it, the no. Brewing Network got me through most of my early brewing. Mm-hmm. Agreed, same. Yeah, so. I mean, I'm pretty sure that the reason why I brew professionally is because of that podcast. Yep. Same, honestly, yeah, yeah. Yep. 
Uh, all right. So, uh, should we dive into our discussion topic for today? Yeah. yeah. All right. So we're gonna be uh, we're continuing our beginner brewer uh, discussion, and so we're talking about packaging. Um, we've we've touched on it a few different times, and I I thought we deserve to do a deep dive into it, mostly because I just built a kegerator, and I was like, oh, we should talk about balancing tap lines and stuff like that, and like, oh, we, we should cover the basics first. Yes, and packaging, of course, is putting the beer from the carboy into whatever vessel you're going to serve yeah. it from. Uh, so we're going to talk about everybody's uh, favorite thing and then everybody's least favorite thing and different things, but first got to talk about carbonation because when we're packaging, we're packaging flat beer. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody wants to drink flat beer, except weird <laughs> brewers pulling things out of the bright In a tank. Pinch. <laughs> you know, I mean, like I think at the brewery we drink flat beer all the time, and then we're right. like, "Wow, this is great!" But think about what it'll be like when it's carbon- carbonated. <laughs> <laughs> and then when it's carbonated, it's all out the door, and you're going to try. Well, it. and then we we have, you know, grabbed samples from the fermenter and and done like. Oh my god, this is like a murky goddamn mess, but like I can see through it and I know where it's going to be. Yes, at. yep. Um so all right, so when we're talking about carbonation, first you need to determine your level of carbonation. Uh and this was something that was very hard for us uh when we're talking about like looking at when we were doing the 80 style challenge and we're looking at just the BJCP um definition of carbonation. Yeah, it could be because there are some beer styles that that require higher carbonation and there are some that require well, lower carbonation. And, and what they do is they say lower carbonation, moderately carbonated, highly carbonated. And what do those things mean? Um and so I kind of broke it down here in the notes and let me know if you guys have any differentiations on this, but what I what what I in my research what I found was low was like one and a half to two point three volumes of CO2 Medium was 2.3 to 2.6, and high was 2.6 to 5. I would I would say that that, that 2.6 number might be... I would push that up a little bit for high. Uh, often for seven our... 7 to 8. Yeah, 7.5 maybe or yeah. 7. Um, we, we, we often carbonate a lot of our beers at 2.65 in there. Uh, for for the high or the, the for, medium? Um, for the medium. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, so on a low end, Katie, we're what's the low end? Uh, probably two and a half. Right, 2. and then two point four, two point four five, and then what style is that gonna be? I, th- I mean, I know. I think we did. I think we do our Hudson Haze, our Hazy IPA, Got at it. about that. And okay. I know that Lady and of the Woods, that white style. So if if you're doing too. like a Cascale, you want that just to be barely carbonated, mm-hmm. right? So that'd Cask- be in the one and a half. Uh, right? Cascale is a whole different animal, and that mm-hmm. should be more like one seven five. The the lowest that to, we do. The lowest I, or I don't know. I Mike Mike Fredrickson's a better person to ask yeah, about than he's not cask. sitting here. Unfortunately, we, we, we do zero cask. The, ever. Lo, like the lowest just... we carbonate is we carbonate to one point nine for nitro beers. Oh, okay. And then and then you're adding something else to push it. So yeah, it is yeah. what it is. But like it, cask and and that is oh that's a whole different yeah, yeah. that's a different podcast. Um, but yeah, so two two point. Two point four is probably four. our lowest, and again, yep. that's that's Hudson Hayes. For some reason, because we want to keep that kind of, you know, yep. it sort of counteracts any bitterness and astringency that the hops yep. might give. And then give. Paul and Babes. That'll be a lower one. Is lower because we want to push it, but what we're trying to accentuate here is how full and and viscous mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. beer is. Mm-hmm. And you okay. can, and it's interesting when we, you, you pull the tap handle on the draft system at the brewery, you're watching this beer pour out like it's syrup coming through. Mm-hmm. And just that little bit of difference makes it look, feel, and taste so different. And that's the point, yep. is that we're serving this this way because this is how we want the experience to happen. Yep. So. And, you know, we might be getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but probably the the higher, you know, we choose that 2.65 for beers like our Minisconsin and even our some of our West Coast IPAs. Something nice and crisp. Yeah, we want that. We want that carbonation to also accentuate the crispness of the beer and or the hops. You know, it helps kind of accentuate those hops. Yeah. If you have a if you have a if you're bottling at home and or, you know, whatever you're carbonating in a keg and you carbonate a IPA at a 2.3, it's going to, it isn't going to taste as bright maybe as you were expecting it. Well, because, uh, so while we're carbonating, we're not just carbonating to add bubbles. 
mm-hmm. uh, you you add flavor with the carbonic mm-hmm. acid. So you have you you add Very a little true. bit of acidity and you change the flavor with carbonation. So it, it's yes. a very important part of beer and getting the level right, like part of what makes a Belgian blonde taste like a Belgian blonde is the high carbonation level um, that you get when you stretch the body and you add those sugars in and you bottle ferment it and it comes out super effervescent with those tight, tiny bubbles. Mm-hmm. And Right. Mm-hmm. So is there, at, as a home brewer, is there a way to to like we're throwing a bunch of numbers around. Yeah, here. yeah. So, all right. So, when 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 we're looking at these, so first you have to figure out kind of what range you want to be in, and then there's a bunch of calculators out there mm-hmm. and tools out there to help you. Um, so, the the most common way for homebrewers to carbonate their beer are using added sugar, and you can do that with like um, they make carbonation tablets. Um, that make it super easy where you can like plop like a pars- uh, a bit of a tablet in each bottle and that will carbonate that bottle to that volume. Yeah, I guess six or seven years ago when I was still like putting beer into bottles or kegs or, or I'm sorry, I should just say kegs like and this is probably, more, you know, they, they made a little pill that you would just whip into each bottle and it was like okay this has like enough yeast and sugar in it to like do, to do the thing right and they i'm assuming still make those yep yep mm-hmm. they do uh so carbonation tablets uh measuring out corn sugar is too, is yeah. the the most common one for home brewers mm-hmm. where you whip that in or you you pour that in and then you uh rack your beer on top of it to mix that corn sugar up yep. and then you bottle out of that bucket and we'll get into that process in just a minute sure. um but really any simple sugar you can add, you can use to carbonate. Um, there's calculators out there for honey, brown sugar, turbinado, like yeah, whatever, anything whatever under the you sun. Have. Yep, regular cane sugar. Yep, cane. Yep, that works great. Uh, so basically, we're just adding simple sugar, and then the other option is forced carbonation. Which can we can we go oh. just go back? Uh, and again, this is probably super basic, and most people listening know. But why why are we adding sugar? Oh, uh, that's that's perfect. Thank you, Katie. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we're adding sugar because the residual yeast in the beer um, will eat that sugar and push out carbon dioxide as a byproduct, mm-hmm. uh, which will carbonate the beer under pressure. So once we put it into this vessel, it's now under pressure. So you put it into a bottle and you cap it. And because there's nowhere for it to escape, it will just become in solution. Mm-hmm. So the yeast are going to eat uh, the residual yeast, rather, are going to eat some of the sugar, and they're going to. They're, the byproduct is going to be half alcohol, half CO two. So and in, in this limited quantity, we're not really going to ramp up the alcohol content. Well, and that that, that was my that was my other question. CO2. As as yep. commercial brewers, um, I know you guys force carbonate, but if you mm-hmm. were bottle uh, car or bottle conditioning is what it's called when you. Let the sugar uh, build up, or the carbonation build up in yeah, the bottle. And there are Would you have to worry about uh, the labeling? Oh, mm-hmm. uh, like in, in what capacity? Uh, because it like the it's a yeast, bottle condition. It's a bottle condition. Oh, you but, would, no, no, you but, would, the, but the yeast is going after the sugars and creating more yeah, alcohol. Yeah, you would definitely need to probably indicate that you know you were bottle conditioning. I guess as a home brewer, if you handed me a bottle of beer, I would just assume that you were bottle conditioning. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, how do we know, uh, let's, let's, you know, move a step further. Like, how do we know, like where we're at volume wise, as far as CO2 goes? Well, there are calculations to, to say, okay, we did this, this much sugar, uh, and this much yeast to bottle condition. Mm -hmm. And, and on that, on that, that note with the yeast, you know, a very common question I would get when I used to work at a Northern Brewer with home brewers that were bottling is how do I know the yeast is going to do its job? And there's generally, unless you're letting that beer sit in a in a secondary vessel or whatever for more than maybe like six weeks, or maybe there are more, still going to be active there's going to be active yeast in there that would yep. that enough would, would to do anything to eat some of that sugar that you're yeah. using. So don't worry about that. If well, you're, and if then you're, and then also they're going to use the yeast are going to start taking dead yeast still. Yeah. dead yeast cells and metabolizing them as mm-hmm. food in order yep. to help with 
that process yep, yep. as well. So it, it'll it'll work. Um, you, you'll get the beer carbonated with the yeast in there. If you are at any concern where mm-hmm. you're, you're like, oh, I left this Oktoberfest, for example, sitting in secondary in my basement for two months or three months or whatever, um, you can get condi- like conditioning yeast. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you can throw in yeah. with your... If you would like to hear my personal journey with bottle conditioning, listen to the 80-style challenge <laughs> and how much fucking trouble I had yeah. getting yeah. things to carbonate it's, properly. It, it yeah. was a whole ongoing thing. And, you know, it's how long is it sitting? Uh, you know, did you pull that beer off of the yeast cake? Was mm-hmm. it roused? Yep. Well, I mean, I was doing... Uh, I was doing five gallons a week for 80 weeks and bottling every other, like it was, no, it was the worst. (laughs) Well, and and, you know, people would come in and say, I have this beer and I, you know, I, I I bottled this beer two weeks ago and it doesn't taste carbonated and it's, you know, there's so many things. You got to let it sit a little bit longer and you're like, well, I don't want to. If you you let that beer sit on a cold basement floor, it's going to take longer. Yep. When I was bottling, I would... Honestly, about a week into into bottling, I would go and I would just sort of sh- kind of oh, gently roll them. each of the bottles yep. to get the yeah, yeast and sugar back up in solution, works. and that would speed up yep. the process a little bit. So, it's yeah, a, so it's we've determined thing. we've determined model, moderately carbonated, highly carbonated, etc. Yeah, and and how you do that, uh, and then yeah. so the final way to add carbonation, I guess the other way to add carbonation is to just put. CO2 into the beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's called forced carbonation, where you're mm-hmm. just forcing the gas into the beer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I want to say that's the way 99% of professional brewers do it, and all home brewers should do it. I, 99 um, is, I would uh, disagree you, with that number. Uh, there's a lot of spunding that goes, oh, goes well, on. Well, okay, so spunding is something that we need to cover in a completely uh, different we'll, episode. We'll, we'll yeah. talk about that later, mm-hmm. but... If you would, if if you're pro and and you want to just like get the beer out, you just force yeah, carbonate yeah. with a carbonation stone, and this is more of a pro discussion than a yeah yeah. yeah. A but as a, as a discussion as a home brewer, um, if you if if this if this is a hobby that you are enjoying, um, and you if you don't mind bottling in you know putting beer in bottles keep i have doing never it. met a person i haven't who well i don't want you know, there's there's, there's, there's one or two out there that are like i don't mind it but <laughs> if you wrong. are if you are everyone else invest <laughs> then, invest then in, a, in a in a keg yeah. yeah yep and, and it's, you know what's funny i was sitting around the other day and like i was i don't know what algorithm or what thing i typed into my phone or said out loud but the an ad for a one gallon ball lock corny keg came up, <laughs> and I was like, "Why would you ever want that?" <laughs> well, hey man, listen is to that, the early is episodes. That, uh, is that when, what you were yelling from the office the maybe. other day? Maybe. <laughs> oh, <I'm kidding>. um, <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, so I yell a lot of things just, just, from uh, the, the office. Yeah. The last the notice. On, honestly, I wouldn't be sitting here if I had continued to bottle beer. Yeah. <laughs> It's That's the it. worst. It's Cor- the worst. Corny well, pegs. so speaking of bottling, yeah. let's talk about why it sucks. Um, <laughs> so let, let's let's start. Uh, so you're starting out brewing. What equipment do you need to bottle? Well, you need all kinds of equipment, man. You need you're gonna need bottles. Just just, just absolute for basic five, for a five gallon batch. A you're gonna need two cases of bottles. Uh, two, about two forty eight to fifty. Mm-hmm. Two and a half. Mm-hmm. It's okay. about forty eight. Oh, 50, that's yeah. oh shit. Yeah. You're gonna need a capper. Uh, wing or a uh, bench. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, wing is what most people start with, and, and I've broken will, three or four. Yeah, in my those life. are will, eminently breakable. Those red uh, wing cappers. Yep, and those they cappers both, they pinch the caps on. The magnet top of the falls out. The it'll break the bottle. It once breaks in a while. bottles. Like, it, yeah. You will need uh, w- uh, ways to clean the bottles. Uh, yep. So that and that I think is the biggest, uh, the biggest holdup with bottles for me is. I, I'm sorry, but I don't think that was I me. I cannot figure out. I have I have my um my phone set on do not disturb and it's disturbing. Disturbing. Sorry. So uh, no. All right. So uh, so with with bottling, you're cleaning 48 to 52, 52. Um, individual vessels, mm-hmm. and you have to get you have to get a little brush to get in there mm-hmm. and scrub everything mm-hmm. out. And... So what I what I did, and you know, for, for if you're bottling and you're new and you're like, oh, this sounds awful. What I would do if you can. As Dishwasher. soon as you pour that beer into a glass, rinse it out with hot water really well. And that will help any mold or 
you know, whatever that's going to yeah. grow in the bottle. To, and, and then, you know, that's, that's step one. And then I would fill my sink full of a, a brewery cleaner and I would get all of them in there, submerge them, let them sit in, you know, the hottest water that your hands can tolerate, rinse, and then you have to do a sani step as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cleaning and and uh, as and as you know, if this is the first one you're ever listening to, uh, cleaning, sanitizing, sterilizing, all three different things. There are past podcasts that mm-hmm. you can listen to. So and there are up. and you know and and Brian mentioned a dishwasher that there there are different ways. That you yeah, can, they, yeah, they do have a sanitization. Yeah. Well, I mean and, it, that brings us to the the in well, the, in we'll, the we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Like we're still talking about the equipment. All right, so we so have we'll get to we, that. we have a bucket, we have bottles, uh, we have things to clean the bottles. Yep, so, you need something to prop the bottles up in to dry. Mm-hmm. So whether that's a, a bottle, a, a bottle tree. tree or a bottle rack yep. or and then whatever. yeah, you can or you just shaking them mm-hmm. uh, or putting them upside down. We in the we box talk that about you have or, we yeah. talk about getting creative with how you make certain things for home brewing. That you, if you've just got stuff laying yep. around, yeah, you can make a bottle tree. Pretty uh, easily, and you so. ne- don't necessarily need to have them you really dry don't. if you're especially if you're dunking them in star sand. Yeah, then uh, just fill yeah, them. Just fill them. Um, uh, but the other things you need is you need a bottling bucket, mm-hmm. which is uh, well, it's, it's got a, a spout on the bottom. It's a spigoted bucket, yeah. which uh, Bjorn uh, has his keep sensing sending us uh, more uses for spigoted buckets than <laughs> I realized would happen, and we got to do an entire just, episode about we've never, uses for spigoted buckets. Yeah, we, we we have disparaged spigoted buckets. We a lot. have. Uh, so yeah, but anyway, one use for them is bottling. Uh, and then you have a bottling wand. And so Brian, I know, I think you've been homebrewing the longest. Probably. Out out of the three of us sitting here. Did you have the, um, just like the gravity, uh, bottling wand or did you have the one with a little spring in it? Uh, the one with the spring. Okay, so like, yeah, when you yep. push it down into the bottle, it goes. Yep, that so is you the open best the, one. Yeah, the and those have tip. been around for a, a long, long, long yep. time. I, I, I yeah. wasn't sure when they when they were introduced or when you started. I just brewing, remember so. looking at like an auto siphon or something that you like didn't have that and being like, why would you ever bother with that? Right. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, two thousand five, I think yeah. was the so first. So yeah, you have time. a spring tip bottling wand, and the best part about that is. Um, I'm not like, basically all you do is you, you have a piece of tubing connected to your bottling bucket Mm -hmm. and then this bottling wand and you shove the bottling wand in, you fill it up until it's level with the bottle and you pull it out and there's enough headspace left in the bottle for, uh, like CO2 to build and you're fine. Like it basically gives you the perfect amount of headspace when you remove the wand, which I wasn't sure. If they had designed it that way, or if it just happened that way, or we just decided it was fine. But uh, either way, it's great. Uh, so you have one of those. Um, you can get ones that you can take apart now. Because no I know way. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, because okay. the the early ones, and I had I have one of these still. Uh, you can't take them apart. They're just like well, like yeah, almost no, bonded onto pla- the tube. It's it's like a black plastic thing with a spring connected yep. to a. And so it's yeah. they're impossible to clean properly, <laughs> right? Uh, but they make them now where you can take them apart, which is fantastic. Um, yeah. Uh, other than that, you need caps. Uh, sanitize your caps before you put them on. Yep. Yeah. You sanitize the caps, and then the caps have like that, like little oxygen scrub piece up yep. in them, like that. Whatever it feels like when you open a bottle of beer, you're like, oh, what's the thing? And you're like, oh, that's an oxygen scrubber. You know, it'll cause mm-hmm. it to come up to the top and sit on top, and then it'll get released. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. So, Brian, give me the like the quick overview. How do you bottle a beer? Uh, okay, so you're gonna take your bottling bucket, you're gonna rack your beer into it, and then you know, uh, generally, you're gonna make sure that you kind of keep the wand or the siphon or however it is that you pull it from the carboy, and you're gonna put it into the said bottling bucket. Can you bottle from a carboy? Yes, absolutely. Is it the best idea? No. And, you know, we've we've hemmed and hawed about adding things into a secondary. There are reasons to do it. There are reasons not to. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so what we're going to do is we're going to add we're going to add a siphon to a carboy, put it in a bottling bucket, open the spigot. We're going to use the bottling wand to to press down into the bottom of the bottle and fill it. 
All right, but what we need to do is clean and and sanitize. Uh, these bottles should have already been sterilized and cleaned, and then we sanitize, and then we fill, uh, and then cap. Um, how, how high should you fill? You So you should fill until there's a couple fingers mm-hmm. from the neck of the bottle down and when you have obviously that bottling wand in the bottle, um, you fill it to the top, and then you pull the you bottling fill it to wand the top, out, and you have the exact pull amount. the bottling wand out, and that should have the correct should amount. Be about right. And then you want to cap that sucker. But if you're adding uh, those carbonation tablets, you'd want to add those first, then, then fill, fill, then cap. Um, so that's kind of where we're at. Uh, All right, um, Katie. What are like a couple of pitfalls to look out for while you're bottling? Like what what could ruin your bottling experience? Oh. I mean, bottling Everything. is one of them. No, I think but. some pointers uh if you have if you uh I would say, you know, we have, there's a there's a a term in the brewing industry cap on foam. So try to figure out a way to, you know, obviously you're you're putting flat beer into the bottle so there isn't any CO2, you know, there isn't a ton of CO2 in there, but if you can figure out a way to Get a little foam into the top of the bottle, whether it's it's kind of agitating the the bottling brush, that will help push any extra oxygen out of the top of the beer. And, and that little gap between the the liquid line at the top and the cap, you want to get as much oxygen out of that as possible because oxygen is very bad for um, beer after it's been bottled. I also uh, think that you need to avoid conditioning the beer so after you've got the sugar in there and the sugar is doing its work to carbonate it can try to condition it in in a warmish environment so 72 to 75 degrees would be really right. good the, why are we doing that because the yeast like those temperatures yep and we're be, trying to, to use the yeast and the mm-hmm. residual yep. the, and the little also, yeast thing and the yep. residual sugar to carbonate and it's also it. yeast that's been you know kind of beaten up and yep. sitting around for a little so while it's a little so. downtrodden but yep. it still wants to party yep and you exactly <laughs> <laughs> That's a great analogy. So, so but, you know, it sounded you like my birthday. Don't it's get, just don't, Brian. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't go much above seventy-five because you'll end up bottle bomb. Um, bottle bombing. Yep. And then as soon as that beer is at a carbonation level, so you know, give that beer say ten to fourteen days. Test the first bottle, and if it's feeling about right, get that beer in the fridge because it, okay. it'll continue to carbonate. Or in a cool, you know, if you put it in a cool space, it'll continue to carbonate um, because the the yeast need to be chilled to kind of deactivate themselves all right uh and just because we're running uh a little low on time here and we still got to cover kegging um i want each of us to give like our top tip to speed up or to make the bottling process easier um (laughs) my tip would be don't bottle well so all right so i'll I'll start i'll start um the the first thing that that made it way easier for me was i bought um there, there's a device you can buy. I can't remember exactly what it's called. There's basically a bowl and then a pump, and you fill the mm-hmm. bowl with the sanitizer, and you can push the bottle on, mm-hmm. and it shoots the sanitizer up into the bottle. Yep. Uh, that saved me so much time on brew day. Mm-hmm. Instead of oh, dunking good. into the bucket, yeah. waiting for it to fill, so and then that, draining and it out. That yeah. glugging yeah. noise of, of liquid just going bloop, into a bloop, bottle bloop, 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 bloop. still <laughs> just makes my pulse triggering. run hot. Triggering. Yeah. Uh, the the other thing I will add onto that just just real quick is I bought the um the the sprayer that screws onto the mm-hmm. onto your sink and you can yep. put the bottle sprayer yeah. to to help rinse them out. It'll that also stop the flow of the water and it, when, yep, yeah, when you, when you put the it thing, on it'll, and it'll just shoots it right up in there and yeah. It, and that, that little that little pump action thing that you were talking about, I I used to have that all up in my brain but you can use that for cleaning and sanitizing yep yeah um, just it, you change just the swap uh, out the the, the, the liquid in there um yeah uh both of those are northern brewer products mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. northern brewer or has all the things them, or yeah. yeah um brian uh what's your one tip to speed up bottling uh bring your friends uh like literally have have a friend help uh it always helps to have four hands instead of two uh one filling one capping yeah uh katie uh i would say um be willing to go down to your after your beer is bottled and and just kind of pick the the bottle up and not shake but just sort of roll them a little bit to get that yeast and sugar back up into solution because that'll tend to settle to the bottom and that's going to maybe speed up your 
carbonation, carbonation process by you know a few, a days. few days maybe and that you know that's always fun i remember the first batch of beer i brewed i think i drank all of it before it was actually carbonated i have I no idea what that's so like excited. it makes sense mine was yeah. a half of us and i already tasted like bananas i was good to go like, <laughs> I would yeah. bring I would bring full pitchers of carbon uncarbonated beer upstairs and and everybody would drink them because it's free. All right, uh, so this brings us to kegging, and we all have a lot of uh, praises for kegging, uh, but there's a lot more equipment needed. Uh, Brian, what equipment do you need to keg? You need a keg, obviously. Corny Cornelius kegs work great because they uh, have that. Yep. Ball, ball lock, lock situation, uh, and then you're gonna need uh, uh, the the tubing, um, and then the connectors. Uh, you're gonna need a CO2 tank. You're gonna need uh, the CO2 gauges, etc. Because when we were talking earlier about we were throwing these numbers around um, of oh, you know, we want to get it to two point six. Like you guys can't measure that because you don't have a ZOM. You don't have a good way to, they don't, they don't really make a homebrew equivalent of what you could measure, how much CO2 is in the solution of wort. And we've also already established the fact that, uh, you know, we want different CO2 concentrations in different types of beer, you know, in a sense, in essence, different types of finished beer. And there's literally no way to, and to really calculate that except for trial and error. So we're going to want to shoot uh, X amount of carbonation into a vessel, mm -hmm. uh, which, like I said, there's a one-gallon uh, ball lock. Uh, Mo let's, go, let's just talk about most common, yeah. which is five-gallon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so five-gallon, you know, you're going to want to shoot in, you know, uh, you're going to want to force carbonate it with how much PSI, I don't know, like. It depends. I, well, it depends on if you want yeah. to do it over time or if you want to yeah. quick do it. There are and, and there are charts. That yeah, there so are. So it's like t uh, ten psi for two hours, and then you roll it a little bit. Well, no, it's like there are thirty five psi for two hours. Right, and, and I, shake I, I again, it and, that's yeah. why I was kind of relying on you guys. Yep. Um, yeah. Otherwise, you can how much is it exactly? Uh, well, so I think it's forty two, forty five psi for uh, like ten hours if you're shaking it to get it to two and a half. Uh, and you um, want to actually pick that keg up and shake it around too, or you can yeah. roll it. So, so there are, um, you can't lift it, but you it also, if it. you, yeah. if you have your beer, so, you know, th what I would do is, uh, you know, uh, uh, there are, if you type in carbonation chart in, into the Google, that's what you want to follow. You will find all that you need to carbonate your beer. Um, the carbonation charts generally rely on about a five day span. And okay. that apparently is just just leaving it, set. it yep. Set. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah, set and forget. Um, you can, sh I mean, there's, there's a what is it? Shake. I can't remember. Well, the, the so terms. you, you could, you could go from flat beer to carbonated beer in a matter of hours if you decide that you just want to shake mm -hmm. and shake. Mm -hmm. So yeah, right. So mm -hmm. as far as equipment needed, you need a way to get it into the actual Cornelius keg, which yep. is going to inevitably be an auto siphon. An auto siphon. Yep. Um, and there is a way yeah. to do it on a closed loop if you want to try to force it. Like if you're using a ball lock fermenter and you've got a bung that will accept mm -hmm. that much yep. pressure. which well, and, Or a spunding valve or, or something. Or a spunding mm -hmm. valve. But like if, you, if you're using a bung, you know, like pushing CO2 into that to get it into the Cornelius keg, the bung's going to pop every time. Because if you're trying to transfer it with more than like three to five PSI, it's going to blow. And, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I mean, so are there ways to, to deal with that? Yeah, yes. just, use, just use an auto siphon and gravity. Yep. Yeah, it's that's good. how I would roll um, it. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I would do, and, you know, we might be getting ahead of ourselves a little, is maybe pur purge, purge that, that keg before yep. you fill it. Uh, purge yeah, so, it with a little... Uh, is there any other equipment that we need before we before we get to this purging bit? Yeah, do we, have we talked about, like, the kegerator? We have not. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, so it you, is, you, you, it need, is, you need, a, you need yeah. a cool environment to serve the keg in, and I feel like kegerator might be a really good DIY episode that we can talk about. So let me lay it on you this way. You're, you guys, have you ever had a keg of beer and you're like, oh, this keg of beer is so foamy? Well, why? Because it's probably above 32 it's degrees. Mm -hmm. The CO2 wants to jump out of the solution of your beer when it's at a higher temperature. When it's at a colder temperature, it will accept the CO2 more readily. So when we're trying to uh, serve the beer, the beer is going to be served cold. So when we're carbonating, the beer needs to be real cold. Or 
your lines are too long or your lines are too warm <laughs> and too, then we're or, getting into the lines are too big it's a whole thing yeah. or the lines are too big so three eighths works mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah so goes. We're, we're gonna do an entire so this entire episode started because I wanted to do an entire episode about kegerators and balancing lines. This episode got very long. It did. It did. <laughs> but I figured we need to talk about packaging first. Mm-hmm. So first of all, uh, uh, so we, I think we've talked about all the equipment that we mm-hmm. need. Yeah. I think so, um, more or less. Brian, give us a quick rundown, like the basic steps, how to keg. Connect your tube up to the uh, the spigot on the bucket and then let it go into the keg. I would skip the bucket bit. You don't even need the spigoted bucket. You can, you go, can go right out of the, the fermenter. Carboy, absolutely. Yeah, with, yeah. Yeah. With the auto siphon. Yeah. The auto siphon. Yeah. And you, yep. Um, all right. Pitfalls to look for, uh, look out for for kegging. Sanitary practice. Over carbonating. Oh, is a big one. Well, yeah, yeah. Sanitary. Let's start there. Sanitary practice, of course. When that's with that's with the whole this whole bit. Everything about we it. But, hammer um, down on clean, sanitize, sterilize, and we all, yeah. just should keep up with it. The beauty of kegging beer versus bottling is you can really um, kind of key in on, on your carbonation level that you want. So if you're doing a half of ice and you want it to be over, you know, more carbonated differently than a an English mild, you you're, you can find the chart, find what carbonation level you're looking for, get your beer at a temperature and kind of set it and just and that 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 could be what it is. But you know, if you do the shake the shake method where you're just like, I want this done in an hour, it's really easy to overcarbonate beer, and it's very difficult and time-consuming to decarbonate. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> just be cautious of that if you're if you're um, wanting to shake it, um, shake it quickly, and it's great. I mean, that's the beauty of it. It's like shit. I have a I'm having a party at 4 p.m. Right, and, and I need to get 10 this beer. You know, and so you can <laughs> plan do it, ahead. But yeah, yeah, plan. plan a little bit more ahead, but we've all been there. Like, but, yeah, but as far as other pitfalls, I mean, call me biased, but. Compared to bottling, it's nothing. Well, what I love is you only have one one vessel to clean. You only mm-hmm. have like you have one thing to worry about for uh, from a contamination point of view. You, it's super easy to backfill that with CO two and get less mm-hmm. um, oxidation. But then we were talking about this entire mixed gas thing that we need to do an entire episode on because mm-hmm. Bjorn is right. We need to overthink this. And it's um, super <laughs> gratifying to go up to your kegerator, is it, and pour beer. That oh, you made from a tap. Having beer on tap in your home <laughs> is the greatest thing in the world. Having your beer on yeah, tap. Yeah, that's right. That's, no, I mean like that that's yeah. like a step up. Like that's the 1% right there. Like yeah. Yeah. you want to feel like the 1% you do that. When I was crazy into homebrewing, I had four taps in my <sighs> That was always the dream. That's it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was always dreaming, but I never like. No, we had. Th- I, I we had did two. three, and you yeah. had two, yeah. and I don't. I had three out in a third garage stall, and yeah, yeah it, was, it was pretty. It was pretty great, though. I, I like, mean, which of the four beers should I eat drink tonight? In, in 2008, 2009, when everyone would kind of come over for those beer tastings, and there was like actual beer on tap, like I felt like the king, the king of the block. Like it was. My neighbors were like, seriously. And, and oh, you, like, got, you got beer yeah, on tap? Yes. Like, I can't wait till this summer when I can actually it. meet my neighbors instead of being afraid of COVID. Right. Like, it's like, <laughs> please drink this because <laughs> there's a lot of it. And if I drink it, I feel like an asshole. So. Right. I, just, I mean, well, yeah, I'm going to feel terrible. All right. Um, And then I don't really think there's a really big way to speed up the kegging process. Just keg. That's important. Uh, we should probably wrap up this episode so we get to the next one. Cool. Huh? Yeah. Oh, man, we went way too long. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what was that? (laughs) All right, guys, thanks for tuning in for this episode. If you uh, have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and just email at feedback at blindstudies.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com. You can follow us on Twitter at blindstudies.com. I'll see you guys next week. Yeah, bye. Peace. Peace.